Hi, everybody. My name is Carl Darden, and I'd like to welcome and thank all of you for joining us here today on Navy Sports Central. I am your host, and this is the official podcast of the Navy Sports Nation, where we take a deeper dive into Navy sports. In this episode, we're going to take a look and see how the Mids finished up the spring postseason, and we'll also wrap up our preview of the Navy offense by discussing the fullbacks, slotbacks, and wide receivers. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, once again, thanks for being with us here on Navy Sports Central. If this is your first time checking us out, we're glad to have you. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for making us part of your day. We're going to kick things off by seeing how things wrapped up in the spring sports season. I I think we're going to do this one or two more times because there are only a couple sports left to cover. And that would be the NCAA championships for track and field and also the IRA and the NCAA championships for men's and women's rowing. So let's go ahead and get things started with baseball. Um, The Mids played Lehigh in the semifinals of the Patriot League tournament a couple weekends ago, and the Mountain Hawks were actually the number one overall seed. It was a three-game series. They had a doubleheader schedule for Saturday, and then a third game, if necessary, would be played on Sunday. So the first game was pretty rough for the Mids. They uh, had the game tied about midway through, but the Mountain Hawks were able to push across four runs to take that one 10 to 5. And things didn't really look all that great in the second game either for the mids. They trailed one to nothing in the top of the seventh. But then center fielder Joe Samori and Homer to tie it up, and they ended up going to extra innings. And then in the top of the tenth, third baseman Logan Keller hit a two-run homer to put the mids up three to one. Then Trey Braithwaite got the final three outs in the bottom half of the inning to give the mids a three to one win and extend the series to a third game. But the Mountain Hawks really had their number on Sunday. They shut out the mids five to nothing to advance to the final, and that put an end to Navy season. So it wasn't the way the team wanted to finish. They just couldn't quite get back to that early season form before the uh, shutdown in March. And I think the thing that's impacted the most when something like that happens is the pitching. Uh, It was really good in some places, a little bit rough in others. And um, that ultimately was a difference because Navy actually led the league in hitting for the entire season. So that wasn't really the issue. The uh, Navy hitters were able to stay sharp throughout that break. And with pitching... They did their best, but there's no substitute for competition, especially when it comes to things like uh, maintaining good control. And in a game where location is so important, a mistake just a couple of inches in any direction could be the difference between a routine out and an extra base hit. Now, the good news is that the mids will be returning their top four hitters next year. Uh, Christian Palacelli, Nico Valdez, Logan Keller, and Zach Stevens all hit 300 or better. And Keller's a freshman. He led the team in RBIs. Uh, Stevens had the most extra base hits, including four home runs. Palacelli had a team leading 340 batting average, and Valdez had uh, the highest on-base percentage on the team. So it's definitely going to be nice to have those guys back to build around next year. Now, the younger pitchers are going to have to step into bigger roles, though, because Charlie Connolly and Tommy Goodridge are graduating. And that means that Reese Early is going to be their only returning starting pitcher. So developing that staff will probably be the mid's top priority going into the 2022 season. Okay, that does it for baseball. Now let's go ahead and check out what's going on with the Navy rowing teams. The uh, women won yet another Patriot League title. That makes six straight championships for those of you who are counting. And they won this one in pretty impressive fashion. Uh, They swept all three races, those being the first Varsity 8, second Varsity 8, and the Varsity 4s. So they picked up a maximum of uh, 54 points. Bucknell was second with 47, and Boston University came in third with 43. 
Now, what you can't see in these point totals is the margin of victory in each race. Uh, in fact, I have to mention, even though it was a preliminary race in the morning, the uh, women's varsity fours won their heat by over 50 seconds. I mean, that's that's a huge margin in a race like that when you're covering 2,000 meters. So the way things set up in the final is you had the second varsity eight boat going first. That was followed by the varsity fours race, and then the championships concluded with the number one varsity eight race. So the uh, second varsity eight crew got things going for the mids uh, in their race. Things were pretty close for the first 500 to 750 meters. But then the mids just slowly built up their lead and they ended up winning by a little over a boat length. So that came out to be just a little over four seconds. The uh, Varsity Fours race followed pretty much the same script. Uh, the mids ended up winning that one by just over three seconds over second place Bucknell. And finally, the first Varsity Eight boat completed the sweep by taking their race by just under three seconds, which worked out to be right around a boat length. They were challenged early, but they just stuck with their strategy and started to pull away again about halfway through the race. And they cruised home from there. So again, a really impressive win for the Navy women's rowing team by sweeping the Patriot League championships and taking their sixth straight title. Next up for the mids are the NCAA championships, which take place this weekend in Sarasota, Florida. Now, while they are doing that, the men's lightweight and heavyweight rowing teams will be competing in the IRA championships, which is essentially the um, men's equivalent to the NCAA championships for the women. That's going to be in West Windsor, New Jersey. And the mids have really competed well this season. The heavyweight crew is ranked in the top 10, and they've got a pretty good shot at a top 10 finish in the IRAs also. The uh, lightweight team also had a good spring, uh, even though it was abbreviated. They got on the water four times, winning three of those races and finishing second in the fourth one. In 2019, they finished second in the IRA, so I'm really interested in seeing how things go this weekend. Now we'll wrap things up with the Navy men's and women's track and field teams. In our last podcast, I talked about their sweep in the Patriot League championships. And in my most recent blog post, I went into a little bit more detail on some of the reasons why they've become one of the more dominant programs in the region. And they proved it again a couple of weeks ago in their respective regional championships. For the men, it's referred to as the IC4As, and that stands for Intercollegiate Association of Amateur Athletes of America. So that's, that's a pretty big mouthful. The women took a much simpler approach. They just refer to it as the ECAC Championships, which stands for East Coast Athletic Conference. And by the way, that title for the men was their third straight, which uh, hasn't happened in 75 years. Uh, this program has always been strong historically, but uh, since Coach Jamie Cook arrived uh, four years ago, he's taken it to a completely different level. During the meet, the mids put up a total of 191 points, which allowed them to finish well ahead of Army, um, and they also won six events. So Eric Huey won the 400 meters, Clayton Thompson doubled up in the 110 and the 400 meter hurdles. The uh, mids also snagged a win in one of the relay events. The uh, team of Ian Bartlett, Alex Rizzo, Sean Casey, and Ashwin Briggs led the mids to a first place finish in the 4x800 meter relay. And to round things out, Jack Haller won the pole vault, and Baines Autry came in first in the decathlon. So five individual wins and then one in the relay is really good at a regional meet, but the mids won this one comfortably because of their depth. When you take a look at the final results, they finished fourth or better in 13 of the 23 events, and they placed at least two in the top four in five of those. So that's what accounted for the margin of victory. I already mentioned that they had 191 points. Army was second with 119, so they were, they were pretty far back. Now, when we look at the women's championships, 
Depth played a huge role in their win. Uh, they finished first in only one event. That's when Molly Mangan won the uh, 200 meters. And by the way, she ran a school record 23.91 seconds in that race. But uh, the mids also placed fourth or better in 10 of the 23 events. And that included a 2-3-4 finish in the heptathlon. So that was enough to give them the win. They came up with 123.5 points, which was 35 better than Army, who finished second. So it was a pretty awesome year for both the men's and women's track and field teams. And they are actually competing right now in the East preliminaries of the NCAA championships down in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, that does it for our spring sports recap. When we come back, we'll jump right into our deep dive segment and we'll be wrapping up our preview of the Navy offense by taking a look at the fullbacks, slotbacks, and wide receivers. So don't go anywhere. All right. Thanks for staying with us, everybody. It is time to continue with our preview of the 2021 Navy football team. And today we'll be covering the fullbacks, slotbacks, and wide receivers. Now, I think it's pretty clear when we looked at the quarterbacks that there was a noticeable drop-off in productivity last season. And the same was true for these three positions as well. Let's go ahead and start by taking a look at the fullbacks. Now, that's where most of the rushing yards came from last year. Nelson Smith led the team with 645 yards, and Jamel Carruthers finished with 358, which gave the mids a total of just a little over 1,000, 1,003 to be exact. Now, in 2019, the mids produced 1,414 yards from that position, so that right there represents a 30% drop-off. What's not as obvious is that most of those yards didn't come out of the triple option. In the games that the mids were the most successful running the ball— they went more with a zone blocking scheme running behind Peter Nesterowitz and Billy Honaker on the right side of the uh, offensive line. So the drop in productivity from the fullback position in the triple option could be closer to 50%. But coming out of spring practice, I felt pretty good about how the team stood at the position. Nelson Smith is graduating, but Carruthers had a solid camp and he was clearly the starter. Uh, the next two guys on the depth chart were Isaac Ruas and James Harris II. Uh, both of them have really good size. Ruas is 6'1", 220, and Harris goes 6 feet and 230 pounds. Neither is as explosive as Carruthers, but Coach Jasper reported that they performed well during the spring, and they were in a position to give Carruthers a good break when necessary. Of course, any of you guys who follow Navy football closely know that that plan got all blown apart on May the 12th. That's the day Carruthers entered the transfer portal after being dismissed from the academy. There aren't really a whole lot of details, and I'm not all that interested in discussing them anyway. But what that means for the team is that Ruas is now number one, and Harris is right behind him on the depth chart. And um, I also think it's worth mentioning that listed third on the depth chart is a 5'9", 205-pound sophomore named, and get this, Malcolm Terry. Uh, He's a kid from Washington, D.C., and I saw some film on him from his senior year. He's uh, got pretty decent speed, and he's pretty shifty, too. And the other thing he can do is catch the ball coming out of the backfield. Now, I'm not really sure where he is when it comes to picking up the nuances of the triple option. Um, His high school used an RPO-style attack that you see a lot being run in the pros and in college. But Terry's got all the makings of a really good fullback. He is quick to hit the hole once it opens up, and uh, he knows how to wait on his blocks. So I'm really interested in seeing how things go for him during the preseason practices uh, coming up in August. So the bottom line is I think the mids are going to be fine at fullback in the fall. Uh, The production might not look the same, but it doesn't have to be spectacular. I mean, if you have a group of fullbacks who can consistently grind out 
three to five yards a carry. That's really what's going to get the job done in the triple option. The most important thing to remember is that everything is connected. So if you have strong quarterback play, that leads to better efficiency at fullback, which then makes the slot backs even more of a threat. And that's the position we're going to take a look at next. In the uh, triple option, the slot backs are also referred to as the A-backs. And at Navy, they are very proud of their motto, which is A's make plays. And if you go back historically, you'll see that's exactly right. I mean, you can go back 15 years when Reggie Campbell and Sean White were playing right up until just last year with uh, Miles Fells or C.J. Williams. The Navy slot backs were that security blanket that you had as a little kid. They were always ready to make things better when you needed them the most. But last year, they just never really got a chance. And you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. Uh, in 2019, the slot backs produced 1,042 rushing yards. And last season, that number fell all the way down to 343. Two years ago, they got those yards on 152 carries, which worked out to about seven yards per carry. And last season, they only had 86 rushing attempts. So that's a drop off of over 40%. And the 3.9 yards per carry you know, it was a similar decrease percentage-wise. And again, those opportunities went away last year because of the inconsistent play at quarterback. Whether it was due to misreads or not lining up in the triple option at all, the production from the slot backs was off in a really big way, mostly because they hardly got their hands on the ball. But uh, coming out of spring workouts, uh, Coach Joe Dupay, who is the Navy slot backs coach, feels really good about getting things back on track. Number one on the depth chart are senior co-captain Chance Warren and his classmate Carlinos AC. They are the only two with a lot of significant game experience. Uh, Warren had a role in some really big plays during the 2019 season, and I like his chances to have the same kind of impact with the improved play at quarterback that I'm expecting. AC is about as fundamentally sound as they come, according to Coach Dupay, when you're talking about the A-back position. He can always be counted on to be in the right place at the right time, whether it's to receive a pitch or make a block, so it'll be nice having those two guys out there. Now, backing up uh, Warren and AC will be Daniel Jones and Tiger Goslin. Uh, Jones is a sophomore, or he will be a sophomore. Uh, last year, he was hurt, so he didn't really see a lot of action. I only think he only got in in one game. But uh, he's got really, really good speed and quickness. So if he stays healthy, uh, Coach Dupay feels that he's going to get a lot of time on the field. And uh, Tiger Goslin was another really good story. He was asked to make the switch from quarterback to slot back by the coaching staff, and he's taken right to it. Um, I think that when it comes to having a quarterback playing in that position, that sort of uh, perspective really is an advantage. Uh, Coach DePay said that Goslin understands the offense as well as anyone, and being back there with that quarterback's understanding, playing slot back allows him to see the field in a different way and, and have a, a significant impact. The uh, other thing I liked about what Coach Dupay said about Goslin was that he isn't afraid to stick his nose in there and block either. And, and for me, that was great to hear because, again, historically, the A-backs have a reputation for being really tough blockers, even if they're giving away some size, which, <laughs> which is pretty much all the time. So I look for the slot backs to really bounce back next year. It all starts with good play at the quarterback position and him being able to make good decisions with the football. But if they get their hands on the ball... Look for those A's to make some big plays in 2021. And I think the same thing could be true for the Navy wide receivers as well. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at them next. As a group, their production dipped just like it did with the uh, fullbacks and the slotbacks. But the difference wasn't nearly as big. I think the issue here was how the receivers were used or how they had to be used is probably a better way of putting it. 
Now, of course, in the triple option, the receivers are used just enough to keep the defenses honest. Uh, that way they don't overload the box to stop the run. And the uh, mids are going to be in pretty good shape this year with a guy like Michael Cooper to throw to. I mean, this guy's a big target. He's got good hands, good speed to get downfield, so he can definitely stretch the defense also. So in 2019, the mids were really effective using the wide receivers. In fact, uh, Cooper had a monster game against Air Force uh, in that win. Uh, He basically averaged 31 yards per game for the season. Last year, that dropped off to about 25 yards per game, so that's not really huge. But I think the biggest thing to look at is when he was being thrown to. And it wasn't in situations where we were trying to keep the defenses honest. It was when the mids were trying to stay in the game or get back into it after being down by a bunch. Now, uh, here's a pretty good tip for you when it comes to the Navy offense. If they finish a game with more passing yards than rushing yards, the odds are pretty good that they came out on the wrong end of the score. And I'll show you what I mean in a second. Um, Last season, they passed for more yards than they ran for against Air Force, Houston, and SMU. And they lost all three games by a combined score of 128 to 65. So, you know, ouch. Uh, Dalen Morris was the mid's best passer last season, and he was also responsible for leading the team to its only three wins. But in each of those, the running game was the key to the victory. In fact, Morris only threw for 48 and 30 yards in the wins over Temple and ECU, and he was able to use the pass effectively against Tulane to get the mids back into the game, but it wasn't outside the scope of the offense. So coming up this season, the wide receivers are definitely looking to return to that 2019 form. Now, the depth did take a little bit of a hit because Devin Matthews entered the transfer portal, but I think the mids should still be in pretty good shape. Mark Walker has emerged as the other starter opposite Cooper. That's really no big surprise. Um, He had some pretty big catches last year, and he has deceptive speed, too, so that's good. The two guys listed number two on the depth chart behind Cooper and Walker are Zachary Coleman and Marcel Gleaton. Coleman is a 6'1", 193-pound junior from Cincinnati, Ohio, and Gleaton is 6'3", 223 pounds. He is a senior from Ellenwood, Georgia. Coleman did not see any playing time during his first two years on the team due to the depth at the wide receiver position, and Gleaton spent his first three years as one of the mid's most outstanding special teams players. So both guys could have a chance to contribute in the fall if the depth chart remains the same. Now, the reason I say that is because one of the players listed at third on the depth chart is Jaden Umbarger, and you'll recall that he was one of the four quarterbacks we discussed last month. Uh, But he was asked to move to wide receiver, and like Tiger Goslin at slot back, uh, Umbarger has made a smooth transition. Uh, Keep in mind that he's only a sophomore, so I'm sure we'll be seeing more of him in the future. Okay, we are now finished previewing the Navy offense for 2021. Uh, I hope that gives you guys some decent insight on how things are shaping up for the mids in the fall. On our next podcast, we'll jump over to the defense, starting with the defensive line. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Navy Sports Central, everyone. Carl Darden here with you. And before we get to our question of the day, I wanted to take a second to thank all of you for your support of the podcast. We are about two months into this project and we're building momentum with each new episode. So if you haven't done it already, go ahead and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the word to all the other Navy fans. 
It is now time for our question of the day segment. And like we always do, we go ahead and take a look at the question from last week. And that one referred to the Army-Navy Star Series. And here it is. Which win over Army during the spring was the most satisfying to you? Now, first I'll say that any day the mids take down the Black Knights is a good day, no matter what sport it is. But if I had to pick one for the spring, I'd have to go with the men's lacrosse team's 9-4 win a little over a month ago. And I picked this one for two reasons. First, the mids were decided underdogs. Army was ranked in the top 10 at the time, and their scoring defense was among the best in the country. I think they were ranked fourth, and they held their opponents to less than nine goals a game. The Black Knights also had an All-American candidate named Brendan Nickturn. He was an attackman who led the offense, and uh, he could do it from just about anywhere on the field. And he was largely responsible for a very efficient offense that saw Army putting up about 12 goals a game. But the uh, mids came up with a great defensive game plan to contain Nick Turn. In, in fact, he didn't score a single goal or get an assist. And as a result, the mids were able to hold the Black Knights to only four goals, which was their lowest total in four years. Now, the second and biggest reason for this win over Army ranking as my favorite one in the spring is because of the performance of one player, and his name is Joe Delira. Delira was a senior midfielder who'd been a contributor his three previous seasons, but going into this year, the mids had pulled in the number one ranked recruiting class in the country, which limited his playing time quite a bit. In fact, like I mentioned on the last podcast, uh, two weeks prior to the Army game, he was on the practice squad. But he took that role pretty seriously, and he worked hard to make his teammates better while working on his own game. And then when his opportunity came, he had the game of his life. Delira got the mids going with a goal halfway through the first period, and he added two more that came right when they needed them because they stopped Army's momentum. He also scooped up a couple of ground balls and caused a turnover. So the guy who was on a practice squad early in the year wound up with a hat trick and leading Navy to that huge win, and I don't know that anyone can truly say they saw that one coming. Now look, I got the highest respect for the athletes that represent the academy in all sports, but I have to admit that I got a soft spot for those who maybe didn't get a chance to contribute as much as they wanted to, but still work their tails off every day. That accomplished a couple of things. Uh, first of all, their continued commitment helped make the team better by pushing those around them who were competing. And second, it sets a great example for the players coming into the program. And then, when the time comes, these athletes are ready to step up in a big way just like Joe Delira did against Army. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't be happier for the guy. And judging by how his teammates reacted after each big play he made, it was pretty obvious that they were happy for his success also. So that's my pick for the best win over Army during the spring. Now let's get to this week's question. Today we covered the fullback, slotbacks, and wide receivers. So my question is, from which group do you see the biggest improvement coming from next season? As usual, you can send me your comments by calling 623-282-4896. Again, that's 623-282-4896. And you can leave either a voicemail or a text message. And look for this question also to be up on the Navy Sports Nation uh, Facebook group page. And I'm also going to put it on the Class of 84 Facebook page for those of you who want to respond there. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick breather. And when we come back, we'll be doing our final mid-watch segment for this sports season. Okay, we're going to finish things up today with the mid-watch, so let's check in and see how Charlie Connolly wrapped up his Navy career. Overall, he finished with a 4-1 record, which was the best on the team among the starters, and he was also involved in three no decisions. In an interview with Navy Sports Magazine's Pete Medhurst, 
Uh, Connolly did mention that the month-long layoff did affect his control somewhat, but the thing that gave him a lot of confidence was the fact that the defense behind him was really good, and that really helped him kind of get through those rough patches where the control might have been an issue. But still, he struck out a team-high 45 batters, and he held opposing hitters to a two forty one average, and that was also the best among the starting pitching staff. So those are some pretty strong numbers to close out a career. Uh, as far as getting to the next level, uh, you never know. Navy pitching coach Bobby Applegate, uh, he's developed some terrific pitchers in his eight seasons at Navy, and that includes uh, Noah Song, who was drafted by the Boston Red Sox a couple of years ago. So I don't know what the future holds for Connolly, but I can say that he certainly has a lot to be proud of for what he accomplished on the mound uh, for the Naval Academy. So good luck to him. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Navy Sports Central. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Now, if you like what you've heard, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the word to all the other Navy fans out there. Remember to get back with us on our question of the day, and you can do that by calling and leaving a voicemail at 623-282-4896. Again, that's 623-282-4896. And I'll also put this question on the Navy Sports Nation group page and a class of 84 page for those of you who find it easier to respond on Facebook. One quick reminder, the views expressed on Navy Sports Central are my own and do not reflect those of the U.S. Naval Academy or Navy Athletics. And by the way, the music used on the Navy Sports Central podcast comes to you courtesy of Audio Jungle. This is a great resource for purchasing the rights to use music from thousands of artists around the world, and those we feature in the podcast will be credited in our show notes. Talk to you soon, everybody. Until next time, this is Carl Darden. Go Navy, beat Army.